0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Copland Talk. This week, we're going over chapter 14 called The Stag and Lion, which is the inn that we're staying in. The theme of this week, I've decided, is distrust, which I'm pretty sure, Lily, you had in your notes, too. Yeah, I said alternate title, trust no one. Hi, it's Lily. Right, exactly. So just a quick rundown. The crew are all settling in at the inn. There's a bunch of stuff going on. The boys get to bathe together this time and they get some gossip from the bath attendant. Matt, of course, nearly gives away everything immediately and Lan has to um, chastise them once again. And at the very end, Rand has a freaky nightmare that we're going to get into. There's a lot to get into there. But with that said, Lily, what was your first impression of this chapter?
1: Yes. So I would like our listeners to picture me as Charlie Day in the sunny episode where he's receiving Pepe Silvia's mail that iconic meme with the red strings that's going to be me i even included it in my <laughs> notes because this chapter really confused me in a lot of ways but julia explained there's 14 books so you know just just you know hang back let it wash over you i needed to hear that right. so with that yeah. said well my first thought was because i listened to this with the audiobook the bath and ara or era He has the weirdest accent, at least how the audiobook (laughs) performs it. And so when he goes, more towels, more towels, more water, that's how it sounds. And then it changes to this weird, like, kind of New York, also Australian accent. It was the weirdest. Yeah.
0: No, I said New York and almost like a Cockney. Exactly. There was a
1: Cockney in there and then it changed to Australian at the end. Yeah. And I was like, (laughs) yeah. What is going on here? I think he's the most well traveled. Right, it's like trying to depict like this city person new accent, but that was wild to me. Um we'll talk about this a bit more because this next one has to do with my predictions. But why is the gleeman still with this group? I don't understand why Moraine and Lan see him fit to be trusted with information that a Warder and Moraine is Aes Sedai in the city where those two kinds of people are hated. Why is he trusted? Why is he still with the group? What's going on with this? Because when he joined them way back in leave taking, Moraine goes, it's part of the pattern now. Mm -hmm. There's something going on here. Okay. Also, last thought, which obviously we'll get into the dream uh nightmare it i don't understand and what's more confusing is what is what is rand who is rand what is he doing what
0: <laughs> yeah there was so much information again a huge information dump this chapter there's a lot to take in and a lot of it i think when I read for the first time, I just kind of glazed over and was like, "Okay, <laughs> this <laughs> right. is too much, so I'm just gonna keep moving on." And, you know, I think that's kind of what you have to do that's for a little while. What I
1: needed to do, but I, I, how our format is chapter by chapter, it's just like hyper intense on each chapter, and then it just makes me like, I read this for the first time, and I was like, "Julia, what what do we do?" Because <laughs> all of my theories are now busted. I'm so confused. So you know,
0: everything's fine. Everything's great. It's fine. I think before I get into my summary of like the more important points this chapter, I think the question of like, why is Tom with them is a good one because he did just give the reason that he wanted to go perform in different cities. Yeah. When like he joined them for the first time, Mm -hmm. but clearly he's not leaving. So he must have some other motive, I think, but we don't know.
1: Exactly. I actually was reading my notes for prior chapters. And so the reason he gives for, I think back in leave taking, or it must've been one of the, one of those chapters where he's like, you know, I want to go perform in Tar I was mad about that because I was like, why do you think the, I said, I care about you. They're magicians who cares. (laughs) But yeah, so he's still with them. And so I had a couple points why this really is frustrating to me, other than I just don't like this guy. He's a gleeman. He's going to attract attention because of, you know, the legend of his title, but also he has this multicolored cloak. They're trying to be, you know, to blend in with the group in Berylon. Moraine and Lan go by different names. Moraine already looks weird as shit. She floats around, has a blue dot on her forehead. But I guess she thinks just changing her name is enough to get the scent off of her. With the gleeman, with the group, it brings more attention to the group, right? So that is confusing to me. You know, they just look like country folk, whatever. They're not important. They're just country folk. Boom, there's a gleeman with them. What's what's up with this group? This is weird. Yeah. Okay, weird, right? And so I was like, all right, well, maybe the gleeman's with them at this point. So he has, you know, better stories to tell. He experiences these things. It's not just stories, right? I can talk about Beryl and I can talk about the Trollocs and shit, but mm-hmm. he doesn't. And he's still keeping Moraine's secret a secret. I I just think there is something more going on here, and I'm pretty sure, uh, we'll get into this a little bit more in my prediction, I'm pretty sure he knows more about Rand and Matt and Perrin than they do. I feel like Moraine and Lan have told the Gleeman more about the plan than they have told the the points of the plan, and that makes me crazy. (laughs) I know. I was like, why does, the Gleeman must be important because he's still around and they trust We don't know
0: why. There's a lot going unsaid at this point. There's a lot that obviously Moraine and Lan aren't telling any of the um, Emmonsfield folk, which is really frustrating because we're viewing the world from their perspective. So we also don't know anything, and we just have to kind of put blind faith in these people, and we don't know why. So. Right, we don't,
1: they don't tell them anything, but Moraine tells Egwene she's Aes Sedai. Like, that seems to be an okay enough information to be told. So oh, that's why I was like, so is that not important? Because, because they, they told yeah. it to Egwene?
0: Yeah. I just love Lily. You guys can't see this, but Lily's glasses are like, con- she's like yanking them around her face. She's clearly disheveled and can't figure out what's going on. It's a great image. Anyway. I'm struggling, guys. So let's get into it. The greater points of this chapter. Let's do a quick summary. So we have finally reached Behrlawn, we finally reached the inn, and both of these places are filled to the brim. There's people coming in from the surrounding mountains because the winter was bad like it was down in the two rivers. Uh, there's talk of wolves and worse out there. We also learned that the Children of the Light are in town because there's a rumor that an Aes Sedai is there. Oops. <laughs> but they don't know who or where. Hmm. But everyone knows that they're just making shit up so they can start a ruckus, is what I said. Um, Or that's how pretty much the innkeeper put it. Moraine, or as we know her in this town, Mistress Alice, asks after a woman named Min, saying she wants to talk to her, but we don't know anything else other than that right now. And after they get into the inn, Tom and the boys all go for a hot bath, and like we were saying, Ara, or Era, I guess the attendant for the bath. From New York. He's from (laughs) New York. Just got in town. He tells them about the troubles in town and around Saldeia, he mentions also. Apparently there are Trollocs up north. (laughs) And of course, right after he hears the word Trolloc, Matt immediately tries to tell Ara about the Trolloc attack on Emmonsfield. But luckily, everyone else speaks over him and Lan bursts into the room with great timing as always. And again, the boys get another lesson from Lan about keeping their mouths shut and not trusting anyone. There goes the theme of the chapter, mm. which makes Rand think that Berlon might be even worse than Terran Fairy, which is quite a bad review from Rand, honestly. Damn. Yeah. So after the baths are over, Rand sees Moraine talking to this strange woman. He's not sure because she's wearing pants and has short hair and that confused- that's like the most mind-blowing thing to Rand. Love it. Uh, We also learn that Avan, the gatekeeper from, I guess it was last chapter, was right about the battle in Gildan, the false dragon whose name we now know is Loghain, has apparently won the battle and no one knows what happened to the Aes Sedai that were sent there to deal with him. There's rumors Mm. going around that they're all dead, there's rumors that they joined him or that they're alive and still struggling. We don't really know. So Moraine decides they need to rest up in Berlan for a few days. And obviously the Emmonsfielders are pumped about this because they get to explore what they think is a real city, which is adorable. I think Tom, of course, snorts at them for thinking it's a city. <laughs> and then, like we mentioned, the, pretty much the last third of this chapter is all focused on Rand's nightmare, where he meets a man with fiery eyes who calls himself Baalzaman, aka the Dark One. And I'm just going to leave it at that for now because... Pretty much all my notes are about this nightmare. It's there's a lot to get into. There's there's a uh, shit ton. Yes. Say. <laughs> do you want to do the people in the chapter? Yes. So I have just a quick like description of everyone who's new that we meet this chapter. We have Ara, the bath attendant at the Stag and Lion Inn, where they're staying. We have Master Fitch, who's the innkeeper of the Stag and Lion. We have Mistress Alice and Master Andra, which are the pseudonyms for Moraine and Land. While they're in Berlon, they don't give their real names out. We have this mysterious woman who wears pants that was seen talking to Moraine. And then we finally have the White Cloaks, aka the Children of the Light, aka a group of militant self-righteous buttholes who believe they're fighting for the light and sussing out dark friends, but really they just get off on feeling superior.
1: Who does that sound like? They're known
0: as White Cloaks. Because of their all white outfits and they hate Aes Sedai and anyone who associates with them. They label them a dark friend. They're also known to scrawl the dragon's fang on the door of anyone that they deem a dark friend, which kind of makes them a social pariah, whoever they deemed. Mm-hmm. So basically, they're just assholes. <laughs> right. And they're in town, but we haven't met anyone like that it yet. It seems
1: very like the people after people in the Salem witch trials type of thing, where it's like, yes, yeah. You're a witch. And now you're a witch to everyone, because right. someone there's told you there's nothing
0: you, you can say to make them change their mind, because they can't yeah. be wrong, right? right? Like, they're always right. They're white cloaks. They're right. <laughs> Children of the light. Good things. Hey! They're gonna start a rap song. Um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, but it's clear that everyone in Berylon pretty much hates them, I think. I don't think anyone wants them there. Even the mayor wants them out. They don't want them causing trouble, so I think only, like, ten of them are allowed in the city at once. And Uh the rest are all camping north of the city. So they're, you know, they're kind of out and about, but they can't do too much damage right now. So why don't we get into, before we get to the dream, just a couple of the random, like, gossip and things that we heard throughout the chapter. Uh, I don't have notes going on this, but I just, things that I mentioned in the summary, I'll go off of that, I guess. Yeah. so we learned that the winter was bad here just as it was in the two rivers and that's even all the miners from the mountains have come down to stay in the town because of wolves and worse which is creepy so that's kind of ominous and it shows that the bad weather is kind of everywhere or at least the same for everyone.
1: Oh yeah like when Ara is saying like is there trouble too down country because he right. sees the yeah, wolves too with them. meaning
0: that there's trouble here too and he also mentions that there's trouble up north in Saldeia, which I feel like we've talked about once before. That's a borderland mm-hmm. city or area. Yeah, and I had to,
1: had to consult the map for that one mm-hmm. because like names, the names of the map places are also all the same, so. Oh yeah, no, they're all kind of similar. Because Gildan, like it's Berylon and then north of that is Saldea, and then south of that is Gildan and then right. east is Kyrian. I did it.
0: Yep, there's also Camelin, and northeast is kind of Tarvalon, I think. And these are all really far apart from each other, too. It's like, yeah. Saldeia is much farther north relative to Berlon than Gildon is south. Like, Gildon's yeah. much closer to Berlon than Saldeia. But apparently there's rumors of bad things going on everywhere, so... Well, this interesting. I actually just got this slot. This is interesting that Ara is hearing
1: gossip from the Trox being in Saldeia because maybe those were part of the seven bands of Trollocs that made their way south to Emmonsfield, so he doesn't know that the Trollocs actually got that south yet. As a, That's mm-hmm. a theory that I just came up with now. That, like, this Trolloc attack in Emmons Field is supposed to be kept on lock, like, no one's supposed to know about
0: it. Seems like people don't. No, people definitely don't. Even, like, Lan, literally, he must have been listening at the door <laughs> to the, the bathroom. That's why he bursts in, right, as Matt's trying to spill the beans about right. the Trollocs, because he's like, he actually scoffs at the, the idea of Trollocs being in Saldeia because he's like, there's always Trollocs up there. They're the borderlands. Uh-huh. So there's always Trolloc attacks. Like, whatever, that's not news. Obviously, it would be news if there's Trollocs as far south as here or in the two rivers because that fucking never happens. Right. So don't tell people about that. We don't want to attract notice. Like, you're literally trying to tell this random stranger that you're being chased by Trollocs. Right. Except you like, have a
1: fucking Gleeman with you with a rainbow cloak. Right. But we don't want to attract attention. That makes me
0: insane. He's part of the pattern. He can't do anything about it. Now. Why? Why the fuck <laughs> is he part of the pattern? <laughs> He's actually the protagonist of the story. I'm sorry to tell you. That's Honestly, that's what it seems like. There's no theory that is
1: too out there for me at this point. You know, Julia might say something different. but <laughs> I will say, though, going off of land bursting in, that is also a point of frustration to me. Uh, Lan telling Matt, he's like, he's really scolding Matt, you know, saying, like, why yeah. are you telling about this? Like, Julia was saying, like, you say there's a troll attack in Emmons Field, everyone's gonna know. However, other than if you don't come with us, us being Moraine and Lan, you will die. They don't know anything, they don't know about the plan. They don't know, I guess they know they're going to Tar Valand, but they don't really know what that means or why. Yeah, they just know it's kind of a safe spot. Yeah they're kept in the fucking dark. And so it makes me really mad, honestly, when Lan's scolding Matt or Rand or anyone. It's like, you don't tell them anything. Rand needs information, I've been saying this forever. Like, they need to know what's going on. What is the benefit of keeping them in the dark this long, right? Because you would think the Gleeman also would be trying to spout off. It's a story. Trolloc attack at Emmons Field? Who wouldn't want to hear that, right? But he knows, to keep his mouth shut. And I don't think it's just because they told him to, you know? Like, no, why is it that Rand and Matt and Perrin are the only ones that don't, don't know anything? Even Egwene knows more cause she does her secret girl chats with Moraine, you know? So yeah. it's, it's frustrating to me that they don't know anything because our perspective is Rand. And so if Rand doesn't know anything, I don't know anything. <laughs>
0: Right, yeah, no, it's frustrating, and I think it just, it really feeds into the theme of this chapter, like, don't trust anyone, because even Moraine and Lan don't seem to trust that the three boys can handle whatever information they have that might make things make more sense, and then on the flip side, the three boys don't trust any of them, like, they kind of trust Tom a little bit more, and they really don't trust Moraine and Lan at this Mm -hmm. point, especially since the fairy incident. Oh, yeah. Um... Like, they just kind of keep remembering that and thinking, like, oh, I don't know. She kind of, she literally threatened to kill us. So how much can we trust her? Like, that doesn't seem like a good guy thing to do. Right.
1: Well, actually, I, I, yeah, I wanted to speak to that because I remember you asking me in previous episodes about, like, where are you at in terms of, like, do you trust Moraine and Land? Do you think they're good? Do you think they're bad? But I think the height of Moraine's, quote, goodness came when she saved Tam because it was like, all right, she saved this guy's life. Seemingly mm-hmm. for no other reason other than just to be a good person. So she's good. And then all of this, with her sinking the ferry, going to Berlon, telling no one anything, she's going off to meet her friends. It's like, it. good and bad are such, what would be the words like simple binaries. So I don't think they're either right. one of those. But it is mm-hmm. I'm very frustrated with them. I don't trust either of them at this point. Absolutely not. They still feel like they're complete strangers to all the boys. And but yet they're like with them and they're not letting them leave. And so it's changing yeah. for me into more of like they're just their hostages rather than the traveling <laughs> companions. Basically
0: they kind of are
1: like they're like, oh you get we're staying in Barlawn, you know, go out and have fun. But really, they can't, they can't say anything. They can't really go around and do anything. And as we know, Lan is always
0: around watching. So I'm very frustrated for them. Yeah, (laughs) we're 200 pages into this book and they still don't know why they're running. And Moraine and Lan, we don't know their motives. So it's, there's a lot of mystery in the air. Uh, And it's easy to forget about sometimes when like, they're all kind of starry-eyed looking at a big city for the first time. We're at an inn that's like three times the size of the one that's in Evan's Field. Like yeah. it's all very new and exciting, but there's kind of this undercurrent of like, well, but why? Why yeah. are we here even? We're so far from home for the first time. I know. Farther from- and and Rand's like, this place is worse than Terran Ferry. Like he's so probably like oh, scared. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Rand. Okay, so we got all that out of the way. That's just some kind of basic stuff, some gossip and whatnot of the news that we already kind of knew what was going on in Berylon and Gildon and stuff. The real meat of this chapter is when Rand goes to sleep and he has this dream. It's very similar to the dream he had a couple chapters ago. I think it was chapter 9 where he was, like, running away. I'll get into the similarities later, but it's this dream again that's not really a dream. It's very realistic. So why don't I, I'm just going to walk you through it from beginning yes. to end, yes, and please. we can obviously talk as okay. things go on. But mm-hmm. um, So we start off with Rand feeling thirsty and following the sound of dripping water. He's in this hallway that's made of stone, and the only thing there are pairs of doors that go down kind of infinitely in this hallway. The mm-hmm. light is dim. It's not coming from anywhere, or it's coming from everywhere all at once. And things kind of seem to shift when you're not looking at them. It's very dreamlike, if you've ever had a dream where you kind of, like, look around and things change where they were, things that you didn't know were there or suddenly there. It's all kind of disorienting. I
1: think the hallway with the doors is very dreamlike, right? Like, choices. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Right, yeah, choices. I know this chapter should have been called Choices, or like, what the fuck.
1: No, the the Uh, chapter uh, Choices should have been called You Don't Have a Choice, because Moraine. Yes,
0: right, lack of choice. You're a hostage, so no choice. (laughs) So in the hallway, the air is kind of still and dank. It's not comfortable. It's already kind of setting this tone of, like, unease, and... There was this cool description where Rand said the shadows receded ahead of him, staying the same, and the dripping never came any closer. Mm. So it's kind of like this, it it feels like a loop. Like, he eventually realizes that in order to get anywhere, he has to go in one of the doors, right? Otherwise, nothing is going to change. So when he opens the door, it opens into this, uh, it's described as grim room with odd curves and angles as if the room had melted and columns that looked like they grew from the stone. I would say kind of like a cave. Oh, Lily's making a huge, like, now, face right now. Dude, I
1: just, my brain exploded. This is how Luz Theron's palace was described after he
0: blasted right? it. The melted walls. Yeah. It does. No, I was gonna say it reminds me of the prologue a lot. Okay. Um, I'm not yeah, it. so kind of like stalagmites from the ground-ish. Like, I think it's like a cave turned into a room. Okay, that's hard. But one side of the cave is a balcony with arches opening out to it, and the sky and the outdoors over here is not right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the clouds are kind of crazy. They're in blacks and grays reds and oranges streamed by as if storm winds drove them weaving and interweaving endlessly i was trying to figure out a, a good way to like describe how this would make me feel like it's kind of like restless uh-huh. outside like there's like it feels like you're you're caught in the middle of a storm
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so adding on to the unease. You're in this cavern where everything's melted. It's, like, chaotic. It's not- Yeah. Everything's melted. You got stalagmites Mm -hmm. coming up from the ground that look like columns, and then the clouds outside look like you're caught in the middle of, like, a hurricane, and they're weird colors, and nothing's good. And on top of that, we have a fireplace with a roaring fire that gives off no heat. Oval-shaped stones surrounding the fireplace but they're not really stones. When you don't look at them, they seem to be faces screaming in agony. And Rand's reflection is blurred in the mirror.
1: That's another LTT thing. Remember, he would look at himself, or no, I think he was looking at himself in the mirror and then was laughing, but.
0: Yeah, no, either way, mirror is kind of weird and not quite right. right. Like not reflecting your actual face. So really strange room. And Rand is already kind of just not really sure what's going on. And then he turns back, to the fireplace and there's a man standing there that wasn't there before rand first describes this guy dressed in dark clothes of a fine cut he seemed to be in the prime of his maturity and rand's supposed women would have found him good looking thank you rand for the commentary yeah i know i picked up on this too it's like
1: just say he's hot rand here like skirting around it right. it's okay we live in a progressive society yeah. sort of just say he's hot Okay, He literally hot. <laughs> and also like that's part of the um like theme of like the devil or the dark one is like a temptation type of thing, whether that be like physical or like mm-hmm. um, sort of like
0: drawing yeah. you in some way. So right, you're kind of seduced by the dark exactly. So it's okay, Rand, just say it. Yeah, just give in to it, Rand. drink the wine that he yeah. gives you. And the first thing this guy says is once more we meet face to face. Which is interesting. What if they met before? Why is he saying once more? Uh, yeah. Concerning. Mm-hmm. And as he's saying that, this dude's mouth and eyes become openings into an endless cavern of flame. Cool. Which is the first thing that makes Rand try to right. run away. <laughs> Not everything else. Right, yeah. Not everything else. It's like, as soon as this guy's eyes turn into caverns of fire, Rand's like, you know what? He's hot. This is too hot for me. I can't. I got to get out. <laughs> yeah. So he, this is the first of three times Rand tries to run away, or maybe mm-hmm. four. He, this time, hurls himself out the door that he just came in, across the hallway and into the other door, only to end up in this room again, uh, right? Terror. So here's the dream thing coming back. You can't really mm-hmm. get away. And it, I think the second time, he. so he crashes into the room again. He realizes it's the same room. He immediately turns around and tries to leave again, goes through the door, but this time there's not even a hallway. He's just back in the mm. room again. So like Balzaman said, you can't get away from you this easily. Like, stop trying. Have some wine. Mm. And Rand actually almost gives in and drinks the wine before realizing that that's probably not a good idea. And he drops it and he's like, actually, I'm not so thirsty, which makes Balzaman pretty disappointed, I would say. Well, it's also like, I think a huge kind of hidden
1: but it's a huge character moment though because rand is rand is decision making Mm -hmm. in an extremely stressful environment albeit it's a dream but as we come to learn it doesn't really seem like it's a dream or it seems like there is some reality to it right but i think that's a huge moment though he's like i'm not drinking this i'm not giving into temptation he made a choice in a dream right
0: i in a dream where he doesn't even really remember who he is or why he's there or, like, who the wisdom of his village right. is. Like, he kind of has these almost moments of clarity but can't quite get there. Like, he says when he was a child, the wisdom had said that if you tell yourself it's a nightmare, right. you might wake up. And then he's like, the wisdom? What? If only his thoughts would stop sliding away. So he's he's clearly, like, still confused, but a little bit of him is still there. And that might be, like, thanks to the Two Rivers stubbornness, yeah. maybe. no, this – yeah, no, Rand,
1: Rand is – Trying to control his own thoughts in a dream. That's like, that is some next level brain shit right there. I'm mm-hmm. proud of him. Mm-hmm. But we I we saw this out of in out of the woods when he was carrying his father.
0: I saw this in him. We put together a litter. It's in him. It just takes a little like digging to get exactly. it out of him. Sometimes. So after this, Rand kind of comes to himself a little bit more and he's like, What do you want? Who are you? And that's when the man calls himself Zaman, which we learned. A couple chapters ago, or no, it was actually in the chapter where Moraine is telling the story mm-hmm. of manetherin And she says that the Trollocs that were attacking Menethrin were waving the banners of Balsamon, which is the Trolloc name for the Dark One. It means heart okay. of darkness or something along those lines. I thought that this was a huge
1: tell because we know the Dark One has many names. Why would, in this dream... He in quote to, in quotes would be presenting as the trollic word for Bielziman. So it's like, is this like a trollic, mm-hmm. is this dream a concoction of the myth murdral to get Rand to do something? You know what I mean? Like it, it's all working through the Dark One, but why would this dream he would present himself as the trollic word for the Dark One instead of like, hey, what's up? It's Shaitan, you know? Well, yeah, Sorry. that's
0: true. I think it's a good thing to remember that. The Dark One is also known as the Father of Lies. Okay. So anyone who's presenting themselves as him, or if it is him, then, like, you can't trust everything he says. Like, yeah. that is, like, again, the theme of this chapter. Don't trust what everyone's saying. Don't trust that they're, they are who they say right. they are. Or that they're not going to go around and talk to, like, some other Dark friends and give you away. Like, That's, oh. you have to just kind of keep an air yeah. of, like unsurety about it no that's so
1: true that's such smart writing too like you set up the beginning of the chapter don't trust anyone in that setting and then there's this dream but remember that theme of the chapter of don't trust anyone apply it to this dream too
0: damn so after this point after he introduces himself as balzaman he asks rand are you the one so here it is again like the first time is We meet once again, and then he says, are you the one? Which gives away, he's looking for, like, one person, right? It's not a group of people, it's just he... For some reason, this person is looking for one person. And you cannot hide it from me forever. You cannot even hide yourself from me, not on the highest mountain or the deepest cave. I know you down to the smallest hair. Damn. What the fuck does it
1: mean? Because, oh, are you the one? Because... The one is not told anything. You It's seemingly how the story's going. Egwene's the one. She's said I. Sidae. What does this mean?
0: Yeah. Well, and like I said, off podcast, there... This is a 14 book series. Yeah. So there's technically the main story, but there's a lot of really important stories going on at the same time, so... Right,
1: what does the one mean? Yeah, who
0: is the one? Like, is it Ned Stark in Game of Thrones, or is it everyone else that's also involved with things? Are they all equally important? Or, like, there
1: is no one.
0: But, back to the dream. So, we have Balsamon here claiming he's the Dark One, uh, saying we meet again, saying I know you, asking if he is the one, so he seems unsure also. He's not sure if this is the one he's looking for, even though he says he knows Rand. Although he never calls him by name. He's just, he's always referring to Rand as like, you. I don't know. He says, are you expecting glory? Power? Did they tell you that the eye of the world would serve you? There's the title. No of the idea book. what
1: that means. So cool.
0: Yeah, what glory or power is there for a puppet? And then goes on, and, like, we'll get into his um, rant, where he's talking about to Sedai puppeteering no, i I wrote all this But, around. so, just, we don't know too much about the Eye of the World yet, but we can kind of glean out that it has something to do with power, and that it can maybe serve someone.
1: Like, Eye of Sauron, I don't really know. The one ring to rule them all, that's kind of what this must be.
0: Yeah, here's Sauron, right in front of you. So, back to... Ballsy's rant, he goes on a rant about how the Amarlin Seat, who is like the essentially the queen of the Aes Sedai, has been puppeteering people yes. for centuries, this whole time, and he says, you're just gonna be a puppet for them. He drops a bunch of names. He says, the Amarlin Seat will use you until you're consumed, just as Davian was used, and Yuri and Stonebow, and Gwer... Um, I didn't look up pronunciations for these. And Raulon Darksbane, just as Loghain is being used now. Until there's nothing left of you. that gets me. So obviously we only know one of those names, right? We know Loghain, who is the current guy calling himself the Dragon Reborn, who's fighting the Aes Sedai down in Gildan. And here is this man in Rand's dream claiming that Loghain is being puppeteered by the Aes Sedai at the same time. This is... And it's kind of just Uh, left it as that. But it's great
1: because it's like, by bulking Loghain with these other names, we don't need to be told who these other names are. We are told. They're all, at least to me, they're all previous false dragons. So I think what he's trying to say is that this is just me going off the top. This isn't an uh, official theory. Go for it. Um, So I think what the Dark or Bialzaman is trying to say is that the Aes Sedai are orchestrating these false dragon uprisings so that they can go down and uh geld what is it called heal them what is it gelding oh gentle them what the fuck was i saying that's it gentle them (laughs) please yeah yeah um so maybe it's like they're orchestrating these uprisings so they can go down show their power and then continue Mm -hmm. to report that taint on Sabine, men are bad men can't be Aes Sedai we're the heroes. Exactly, this game that they are continuing to spin and spin and spin and then they kind of have this uprising every five years to to remind people that mm-hmm. Aes Sedai are the fucking one that's
0: certainly the picture that Balzaman right. is trying to paint for right now. Absolutely. He's dropping little hints of like mistrust for right. Aes Sedai
1: again but like you said it's like don't trust anyone. Like, this is what you're led to believe here, but don't trust what he's saying. But then this leads to Mm -hmm. then not trusting Moraine, who they already don't trust. So it's like the Dark Ones playing right into Rand's
0: already brewing fears, fears and theories about Moraine. Definitely. Rand starts after this. He's like kind of confused and he's like, no, 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 this isn't right. You are bound in Sheal Ghul. You and all the forsaken are bound by the creator until the end of time. (laughs) This is where Ballsy really goes off. He says, fool, I have never been bound. And then there's like a full on page of him ranting about how he was there. There's a lot of claims he makes here that I also want to get into. He claims that he stood by and influenced Luz when he killed his entire family, that he was the one to give Luz a moment of sanity to see what he had done to his family. Mm-hmm. Remember the prologue? Which means then he claims that he's EMT, cause that, right? Because that's the guy that did it. That's kind of where your thought would go. Right. Um, he claims that he began the Trollic Wars a thousand years after the breaking of the world, which shattered the Covenant of the Ten mm-hmm. Nations, he also claims that he got Arter Hawkwing to oppose the Aes Sedai and eventually send his armies across the ocean, which results in two dooms, one of which was the doom of a united people and a doom that is yet to come. Why
1: say, then why say it's two dooms? If one hasn't happened, then it's just one doom. Why are we doing this? Right. Well, he's like- There's one! <laughs> I'm already so sure <laughs> yeah. of myself. He's like, I set this one up for the dunk, you know? <laughs> yeah. This this was just an assist. This just has to we just need LeBron in. Okay, that's all.
0: Yeah, so a lot a lot going on there. Like you said, he's claiming that he was the one to give Luz a moment of sanity, so is this that guy that we saw in the first chapter? There's
1: no way it's EMT. There's no way this thing is like embodies a human being. You know what I mean? It's like it's like a it's a deity, you know?
0: Yeah, I kind of wonder if he's speaking more in general terms then, because maybe he's saying like, I did this and he, yes. it's more of like the Dark One's influence on the world, kind of like how Moraine kind of says that too. Yeah. Like it's a generalized influence, not one person. I literally. think it's the the God works in mysterious
1: ways type of quote that we all mm-hmm. hear. I think that's what he's trying to impart. To yeah. It's like, I didn't literally do these things, but I did because I'm in every person. I'm God,
0: if you believe that. Yeah, so a lot of claims here, there's a lot of, like, lore that we're getting here about, like, the Trolloc Wars. Remember, the Trolloc Wars is um, also the time that Manetherin fell. Mm -hmm. That was a 300-year war where there was a bunch of Trollocs coming down from north of the Borderlands to kill everyone. I actually feel... No, but please explain it. I actually feel okay about understanding
1: this stuff because glossary yeah thank god robert jordan your glossary is so helpful um (laughs) it's necessary but this just makes me want to get the world book this shit's so interesting or whatever it's called in wheel of time the wheel of history of wheel time but yeah i i was like oh i actually have a small grasp on what he's saying but i want to know all about i thought it was arthur hawking you're right charity yeah. it's arthur
0: Hawking. so not I'm pretty right. sure that's on purpose um yeah no i thought it was arthur hawking at first for the long time and then i didn't even register the second w no i think my entire read through and then i saw people typing it out correctly and i was like that's wrong
1: <laughs> yeah nope. it's like how i always thought it was aragon and lord of the yeah. rings and then you were the one who was like aragorn i was like what the fuck it's Aragorn. Like, <laughs> no, it's, there's an R. I'm like,
0: yeah. Oh, cool. There are two R's surprisingly. Yes. There's two R's actually. Yeah. Okay. But sorry. Yeah. And then, so he finishes his rant by saying, what chance do you have to stand against me? Essentially, you will serve me or you will dance on eyes strings until you die. Damn. And then you will be mine because the dead belong to me. So he's remember the dark one kind of, Everyone assumes that he's the ruler of the dead or something. It's a very, like, it's a trope. I think that a lot of, like, evil people are kind of, like, necromancer types or yeah, have control over dead souls and stuff like that. Right. So he's claiming that no matter what, the one that he's looking for will serve him. It doesn't matter what he does. You can't escape him. Maybe this is, um like a
1: reference to that quote from the prologue where it's the um living envied the dead i think it was talking about mm-hmm. like the breaking of the world event but it's some sort mm-hmm. of thing it's also interesting like any time like people die or like death has this inherent evil quality it's like these are just dead people why are they now the servants of the underlord you know it's like right yeah how
0: do you stop that if like you were a good person right nope you now serve evil lord, because you died. (laughs) Doesn't matter. The creator (laughs) won't protect you. Yeah. You're on your own. Um, And then the last thing he does is kills a rat in such an awful fashion, right in front of Rand. This is chill. He crooks his finger and forces the rat to bend over backwards until his back breaks. And he ends up doing the same thing to Rand right before he wakes up. (sighs) Uh, Obviously, such an awful nightmare to have. But right before he does that, he also plants the final seed of distrust for Aes Sedai. Balsamon says, what will the Aes Sedai do if you tell them about this dream? If you drop the names that I just gave you now that you know this knowledge, aka, like, now that you know that the Aes Sedai were puppeteering these false dragons, do you think they would ever let you live? So don't tell them. Don't tell anyone that you think you could trust about this dream because they might just kill you for it. So, again, don't trust anyone that you think might be able to help you. Well, it's also so... It's isolating. Absolutely.
1: It's also very bold to just say, like, everything I just told you is completely the truth. So if you tell the Aes Sedai, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to be in deep shit. Where Rand could be, like, your one source. Like, that can't be true. But we also... this, This was probably the most chilling part to me when part of the quote earlier where he's like are you expecting power he's expecting glory and he goes your father was chosen by the white tower like a stallion roped and led to his business your mother was no more than yeah. a broodmare to their plans and those plans led to your death so we know rand's not dead right we know that his mom and his dad are not kari and tam i i believe that that tam was true in saying like sorry we found you on a mountain slope so this this guy, Behelzaman, is making it seem like Rand's parents were pretty important, which makes sense, right? Your father was chosen by the White Tower. I mean, you could... This is a dream where you could... Every sentence you could, like, dissect and get into. And, like, this is why this right. chapter... I think was a bit harder for me to just digest because every part of it was like, wait a minute, it's a lot. I have to go to the glossary and then I have to research the Second Covenant and then me- 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 and then the Shayal Ghoul. What is shaal The fuck Shayal Ghul? I forgot
0: what that was. The creator. I know so many capitalized words. There's a lot going on here, and I think like this, this we don't know. Like I guess there is a chance that Rand's true parents, if we're to believe what Tam said were picked out by the the White Tower or like this is some like prophecy years or centuries in the making it also I know you haven't read Dune but it gives me very Bene Gesserit vibes for anyone out there who has read Dune where the Bene Gesserit are these women who have like extreme powers similar to Aes Sedai where they're working towards this prophecy to make this like essentially, like, the Chosen One, and they've spent centuries, like, breeding the right people to get there, and they're, like, they have this whole plan for it. It's very Benny Gesserit, is what he's claiming, at least. I can't wait to read Dune.
1: I just, you know, you have yes. to be in, like, a mental space to handle that amount of like fucking intense awesome yeah. shit
0: mm-hmm. you know what mm-hmm. I mean. we got 14 books to get through
1: first we have a- quite <laughs> a few things uh to do absolutely
0: yeah so i definitely thought that was like a quote that stuck out to me too especially because we yeah. don't really know at this point who Rand's parents are or anything like that so like this could be true or this could be something that kind of shows the flaw in whatever Balsamon's claiming, like he he might just be making this shit up and doesn't actually know. Well, I, so, yeah, and I
1: think, uh, also, quick question. Could you just mm-hmm. real quick, what is the White Tower?
0: I know it has something to do with Aes Sedai, okay. but is that yeah, okay. a title or is it a place? I don't really know. It's a place. Okay. So I, I was wondering this too the past few times we've been recording because I realize it's so obvious to me, but it's probably not to you. So, Tarvalin is the home of Aes Sedai. It's an actual city where people live and stuff. Mm -hmm. But within the city, there is the White Tower, which is where all the Aes Sedai kind of live. It's like their central home. And it's quite literally a huge White Tower. Okay, is it... And then there's a bunch of buildings around it. Okay,
1: so is it like... Just hang on with me here. Is it like... King's Landing, and then the Red Keep is where the yes. Royal family lives. But the Red Keep yes. is a
0: series of towers and castles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's not just a singular white tower. There is one gigantic white tower in the middle okay. of it, but think of it as like a section of the city is just the where the Aes Sedai are. They have a bunch of buildings there and their own kind of thing going and on. And all
1: of that is called the White Tower, that entire compound, or the White Tower is literally one white tower.
0: It's also kind of just a concept, like when people say the White Tower controls things, they're just referring to Aes Sedai controlling things. So the White Tower is is quite literally a building, but it's also used as more of like an idea. Is it
1: used... Is it, a, is it a, also a synonym for the Amarlin seat? Like, do people say, like, Amarlin seat yeah. controls White Tower controls? Like,
0: you can use them both mm-hmm.
1: interchangeably. Yeah, I would
0: say so. Because it's it's meant to be, like, the collective decision of all Aes Sedai, and that's pretty much run by the Amarlin seat. Okay. So you could say it's all kind of the same idea. Like, she's the one deciding, the White Tower's deciding that, the Aes Sedai are deciding this. It's kind of like...
1: <laughs> cuz the only way i understand things is through comparison. Um but it's kind of like the white house and the president. It's like they yes, both mean yeah. the same thing but it's like different ways of saying it.
0: Right. You just the the building is so iconic yeah. that it's used as a way to like be an equivalent okay to the actual person who makes the decisions. Okay.
1: To me Tarvalin is like Rome and then the White Tower is the Vatican mm-hmm. City cuz it's like it, it's it's yes. enclosed. I guess yes. I'm exactly. assuming we're going to make it to Tarvaalen and see the White Tower at least i'm hoping. So so well, maybe I'll have a better understanding there because I need the visuals in terms of a description. But yeah, thank you for that because it's been said enough where I'm like, I, I understand it has something to do with to Sedai, but not, and also please assume I know nothing and I need
0: help with everything. That's a safe assumption. <laughs> I know, I keep forgetting. It's just after rereading the series so many times yeah. and like, as we've been reading the series, my partner has also been reading it, but he's going through it much faster and is already almost finished with book, 10 or 11 now. Oh my god, I thought it was book six. (laughs) It was like a month ago. Wow. So it's so I have to like compartmentalize my brain into three sections like what I know, because I finished the series, Mm -hmm. what he knows, because he's almost done and what you know, which is Mm -hmm. only the first 14 chapters of the first book. (laughs) So it's like, it's hard. So remind me, Julia is doing mental Olympics. Let me tell you. I mean,
1: I Honestly, it is like no, uh, no sarcasm. It's like keeping together fantasy
0: storylines is very intense. So props to you. Thank you. So that kind of honestly sums up the dream. I wanted to point out how similar this is to Rand's first dream, his first weird dream that happens in chapter nine. There's a couple of points that are like, I feel like they're trying to do a throwback. And I kind of forgot about it until I was rereading the chapter for a second time. So in that first dream, if you remember, Rand is in this creepy mountain range. And there's weird clouds going on again. The clouds are black up above him. And when he looks below the cliff, there's clouds that turn red as if there are fires. It's kind of similar to the clouds he sees in this dream. I need to reread this dream because I think I read it like this one where I was like, I'm confused. And so it didn't really stick with me. But I'm going to need to reread it. So basically, he's up there. And then in that dream, there's also a voice saying, serve me when he looks at um, the big scary mountain. And if he listened hard enough, he says he would sure he would he knew it. So again, there's that kind of like weird familiarity where here's Balzaman saying, are you the one? I know you. We meet again. And Rand hearing this voice saying, serve me, and saying that he kind of feels like he should know it, and he kind of remembers this mountain, but doesn't quite know it.
1: It's almost like um, like a Horcrux situation. Like, is part of the Dark One's taint, or, you know, whatever you want to call it, like, part of Rand, right? Like, is something... Mm-hmm. something is clearly pulling Rand to, like, the dark side, right? Or the, the darkness. Mm-hmm. Interesting.
0: Yeah, so I think that's pretty much it. I just... Looking back in it, I realized how similar those two dreams were. And they're obviously, like, weird dreams. They're not, like, real, normal nightmares. They're, like, something extra. I just thought those parallels were kind of interesting to point out. Definitely. So, that's pretty much it. This chapter was quite a doozy, mainly because of the dream and meeting balls among lots of name-dropping going on, lots of backstory we're learning, (laughs) we're trying to remember. We're trying to remember. Um, I wanted to point out after Rand does
1: finally wake up and he goes, a snore from one of them, like a canvas rippling Tom Marilyn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's Tom. Yep. <laughs> what type of a snore is that? It's like a crack. I don't know. I'm glad Rand woke up once again. This guy is stronger than we all know. I'm proud of him and he's my protagonist. Okay. I'll
0: say it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With that. Do you have any like predictions for this chapter and end of chapter reactions?
1: Yeah, a lot in this chapter. Absolutely. Um, I kind of already touched this. This isn't really um a prediction, but I just don't really see like a clear path forward or an obvious path for Rand. But again, it's like it, there doesn't need to be. I kind of need to get over that in my own brain who wants logic and I want things to make sense but it's like it doesn't need to so I have to let that go type of thing mm. mm-hmm. it's a good life lesson for me in general letting things go <laughs> it's hard to let it go <laughs> anywho so in the same vein of what Bialzman was saying I do actually think Ran is being used by Moraine and the Aes Sedai or it could be Moraine's using him and the Aes Sedai don't know how she's using him type of thing but I, I'm pretty sure the Aes Sedai are involved Because of that, it would make sense that he's being kept in the dark if if this is this larger plan that he's a part of. And like I mentioned before, because the Gleeman seems to know about this plan. So, like, how big is this? And so this is what it made me think of. If you remember from The Hunger Games, the second book, Catching Fire, where at the end, the arena that they're in like falls apart and she wakes mm-hmm. up on this plane and and gales like oh yeah there's no more district 12 blah, blah blah but we found out this giant reveal sorry spoilers that katniss was left in the dark the entire time everyone knew about this plan you know right. it, the people who were in the quarter quell in the in the arena her other like contestants i guess they're called like her mentors yeah. everyone people she thought that were good and bad everyone knew about this larger plan except her and i can't remember but there was a reason why she had to be kept in the dark i think like she would have given it away or something like that
0: i can't remember either uh, yeah i think it was mainly just cuz she had to play a certain part or exactly. like they thought she could do it better without knowing
1: right and i'm pretty sure yeah that has to be it like she needed to be in the dark for the whole thing to be convincing but i'm like this mm-hmm. is this is what it reminded me of so much i'm like we're at such a point now where it's I mean, maybe it's just me. It's so frustrating they don't know anything. So there has to be a reason for it. Like, there must be strategy in keeping them all ignorant in terms of Mm -hmm. the three of them. And so because of this, this leads me into my next one, that I don't think any of the boys are Aes Sedai. Because if Moraine told Egwene that she's Aes Sedai why wouldn't she also just tell the boys they also are Aes Sedai or they're um, force wielding you know Aes Sedai Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they're able to touch the one power exactly that thing before they get the title so I don't think they're part of the Aes Sedai but they're sure as hell important enough for Trollocs to be after them not only Trollocs but a merdral so I think that Moraine or I, I, I at least think that Matt and Perrin are not Aes Sedai Rand He's so confusing as to what's going on with him. But it seems like Matt, Perrin, and Rand in terms of like um prophecy and like their journey, it seems all three of the boys are on the same path, right? Mm-hmm. Like everything's yeah. happening to them at the same time. So Moraine went to the two rivers for a reason. And I believe that she sensed the two villagers that had the ability to touch the one power, she says, because of history, which I think in her head that's mm-hmm. true, right? She mm-hmm. knows the history of the, the two rivers. Blood. Yeah, the yeah. old blood, met- methanethrin, that thing. So, <laughs> yeah. And she sensed how rare it was that two people from this village have the ability to um, touch the one power. That's super rare. But then the Trollocs attacked, and that threw her off completely. I don't think she was expecting that. and pretty sure we touched on this when that happened, too. I think Mm -hmm. one of my theories was, like, Moraine orchestrated the Trolloc attack, which honestly... Yeah, it was. I'm sorry. Still could be up there. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But I think that totally shifted her plans. And so she had to escape with Ran and Perrin um, and Matt, and then those idiots joined along. So could this attack be part of the larger Aes Sedai prophecy that she knows and the Aes Sedai know but this is what I mean by this chapter kind of like shattering my brain because I do have these theories and I'm trying to put them together to make sense in the narrative sense but I just can't figure out where they're supposed to be but again as right. I said yeah I'm gonna have to leave it at that right I don't know maybe maybe each of these characters doesn't need like a special talent or a special place in the Jedi world you know what I mean it's like maybe they're mm-hmm. just part of the journey and yet they're still important um, just because you're not Aes Sedai doesn't mean you're not crucial to this journey except if you're Top Marilyn you are not crucial to this journey
0: <laughs> he's just
1: there for the good times but I really think that it's telling that Moraine told Egwene that she's Aes Sedai. And then just if other people are Aes Sedai, just also mention that. Because you'd think at a certain point Egwene being uh one power sensing is gonna be able mm-hmm. to sense it too, right? She's gonna be able to be like, Perrin, um, I'm getting large senses from you that you have my <laughs> ability, right? You would think. Uh, I don't know. I hope that made sense. I it hope does, that, it does. that was followable. Um, but I, there's some shit going on here. Obviously, there's 14 books about it. (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah, I will say to anyone who's worried, because there's a lot of of stuff going on, and it's all kind of confusing, this series does a really good job of answering pretty much all of my questions, eventually. But it's, eventually is the key word here.
1: I love that, It's not always right away. And I I think just you telling me that I I can find comfort in, because you're right. You need things to breathe. I think I mentioned this the, in the prologue. was like, no one wants to read a book where everything's explained to you. And so. Yeah. And I'm sitting here like, why don't I know more? Like, um, having said all this, very excited for things to come. Excited for the boys to see Berylon, you know. A Gwaine, yes.
0: who knows where she ended up in this chapter. She's just chilling. I know. Is she just out in the city on her yeah. own? Or no, she's like. Taking a well, bath, too? Yeah, who she knows? must be,
1: yeah, just with the girls. Like, maybe, well, she was talking to Moraine, and also, is it, it it's Min who is the short hair with the pants, right? Like, that's, is we that... We can
0: assume that, because Moraine was asking after Min, and then we saw a woman with her, so...
1: Yeah, I was like, that's, it has to be the same person. I don't think this is... Two different people. No. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there was uh, some girl talk going on. This was a very boy-centric chapter. Mm-hmm. Lots of confusing things, but... With that, I think that finishes out this episode. So yeah. check us out on Twitter at Copland Talk. Email us, coplintalk at gmail.com. If you have any thoughts of your own, any suggestions for the show, anything you want us to talk about more, let us know. I guess we'll talk to you guys next week. Indeed. Goodbye. Don't trust to die as a <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Bye.